And we back in this thing like we left something. What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to this week's episode of I Got a Story to Tell. Um, I hope y'all have been listening to the album of the week. Um, suggestions that I've been given um, this week. This week, this week. Uh, real slow, real mellow. You can get it popping to this. Um, just hit play and let it ride. Uh, it's by uh, Sabrina Claudio. And the name of the album is Truth Is. Truth Is by Sabrina Claudio. Um, she has another album out called Based on a Feeling. And that shit fire too. But Truth Is is, is probably my favorite album she's ever released. So check it out if y'all get a chance. Um, if you got this on and you getting some skins... And you you smashing something. Don't don't try to pull and pray method because it ain't going to work. She going to have you um, in, a, in a situation. So. Y'all ready for this week's episode? Let's get to it. I got a story to tell. Let's go. This story takes place in, I want to say either 85 or 86. Um, I'm like seven or eight years old. <clears throat> Excuse me, but let's, we're going to do a little different today. Um, it's crazy how today's story kind of came to me. Um, this week, my my kids started school. My son started ninth grade. My daughter started first grade and I'm real reflective. And so when I'm dropping my son off at school for the first day of high school, I'm excited. He's a high school, all of that. But I kind of like start reminiscing and going back and, you know, thinking about my journey as a father. And it's crazy how traumatic experiences sometimes shape our lives, right? Like when we think back to some of the traumatic shit that sometimes us in the hood just be like, oh shit, that's normal life. But really it ain't. It's not normal shit. But we normalize it because we see it so much, right? So that's how we got to today's story. Me being reflective and, and thinking about shit. So, today's story, like I said, uh, I'm seven or eight years old. It's the 80s, mid 80s. Y'all know what the mid 80s was like in the hood. Um, shit. Crack was jumping, you know, shit was what it was. And so me living in um, the projects and shit, living in the Fay apartments, you know, 
Like every hood across the country around that time, cats were selling dope. And I remember thinking at a young age, one thing you don't see in the hood a lot is grown men. And the grown men, I ain't talking about a 20 year old, I'm talking about a real grown man, you know, nigga 30 plus, um, family man, all that shit, right? And I can remember thinking like, damn, you don't see that because A, it's a, it's a few reasons. A, if that man has done well for himself and, you know, doing his thing, he's going to move out the hood. B, the teen, like the, the, the young man ain't making it, to be, making it in the hood to be a grown man. Dope, jail, dead, you know, that type of thing, right? But I remember a couple of grown men in the hood and how they dealt with their families really shaped me. So let's get to the story. So like I said, mid 80s. And I'm at the crib and it's late. I'm going to sleep. Got school in the morning. I go to bed. I wake up. I come downstairs like any normal morning. Come downstairs, get breakfast, get myself ready for school. I see my mom's friend Jan sleep on the couch. And I'm kind of shocked like, damn. So my mom's friend Jan was married to this dude named Al. They had a son named Justin. And they lived over in like, it was kind of off of this uh, street called Queen City over in Westwood. Jan was staying with us because her dude Al had thrown her off of the second floor balcony of their apartment. Broke her collarbone, you know, she all messed up. Now, I didn't initially know that. I learned that by ear hustling to my mama having a conversation on the phone about it. But I remember being like, damn, that's fucked up. She stayed with us for a few days and then she left. Another time she came over, her eye was black and her fingers were broke. Dude that beat her up. She come over there. She's staying over our house. Phone ring. It's dude. It's her husband. She get on the phone. He telling her, I guess, whatever he wanted to hear. She leave and go back. And I remember thinking like, damn. He kicking your ass. Like, why are you going back? Right? So that was the first time I had really seen something of that, that nature, right? Some time passes. I'm outside in the summertime. And where we stayed, we called them courts, right? I'm in our court. Me, a couple friends, we outside. That was this lady named Miss Bonita who stayed right next door to my boy Duck. God rest his soul. And... She had a son named Mari, a son named Brandon, and I forget her daughter name. But her husband was like in and out the house. The nigga drove trucks and shit, but he didn't live with him. Like he would stop by 
This nigga parks his truck. I'm talking about big truck shit. Parks his truck right on president. Gets out. Walk fast right past us. The screen door, like the 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 main door is cl is open to their crib, but the screen door is like right there, and you can see through it. He swings the screen door open and he goes in. And he beats the brakes off of this woman. She's screaming, she hollering, all this shit. The next door neighbor end up calling the police. By the time the police get there, dude gone. She's sitting outside, she crying and shit. I'm looking like, what the fuck? Now, this is my second time being kind of like exposed to this, right? Again, it's crazy how traumatic shit shapes you later on down the road. So I'm like, God damn, what the fuck? I'm thinking to myself in my young brain. Like, my mother don't want us fighting in school and violence ain't really the answer unless you have to. She cool with that. Defend yourself, whatever. But I'm watching these men beat on these women. And I'm like, well, hold on. And I'm trying to make sense of it, right? I got two homeboys. They father in the crib. He lives there in the Fayetteville. with him. And seeing how he interacts with his his family make me be like, damn. So me and my brother used to always say, man, I'm glad we ain't grow up with a daddy. The reason we felt that way is because the men that we saw that were fathers were extremely violent people. So my brother and I used to always be like, man, I'm glad we ain't grow up with no daddy. Even though my mother ain't play, you know, she ain't take no shit either. Right. So. My two homeboys, their father, who interacted with them, he was, I mean, man, he was beating ass. He come in the house angry, beating ass, beating ass. The McClouds, who stayed a couple doors down from him, their dad, Butchie, he had come home from work, he yelling, he angry, and then it started making sense to me. Like, to be a grown man in the projects with a family, trying to provide and take care of a family, and you walking through the hood or pulling up in your car, which is barely running. You got a, a job that ain't paying you enough. And you seeing these 17, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 year old young Thundercats out here making crazy money selling dope. And you trying to do the right thing as a father. That has to be crazy pressure. And I understood a little older I got. I start understanding like these cats under pressure. And that's when I also learned. Some people drink, and I'm talking about liquor, or get high, whatever the case may be. Some people drink to remember. Other people drink to forget. By remember, I mean like to celebrate a good time, to, you know, think about the good time. Let's celebrate this. Let's celebrate that. To forget when you're going through some shit and you just want an escape. And when I seen Mr. Butchie, how he used to drink and how angry he was. It made sense. I'm like, this dude coming home every day. These young niggas out here pumping dope and they got crazy bread. You got a car that's barely working. You coming home, you got a bunch of kids in the projects. It's that pressure. And how angry he was and how he used to drink. I'm like, damn. So my view of black men and fathers was like, 
God damn. And I used to worry about that when I was young. Like, damn, when I get older, like, I don't want to be like these cats. Like, I used to always want to, like, enjoy life, shit, be peaceful, you know, have good times with my wife and, and my children. So watching them, I'm like, damn. So that was another version of a black man that I saw and was like, fuck. Then another one, I had a homeboy. His father used to drink heavily. I go over his house to spend a night one Friday night. His father come home drunk. Me and him upstairs in his room playing the video game. His father come home super drunk, waving a pistol around. Talking about, I kill every motherfucking body in here, yada, yada, yada. I'm shook. I'm scared as shit. I'm only at the time, I'm about nine, maybe, maybe eight or nine. I'm so scared that while his father, drunk father, is in the bathroom, using the bathroom, I sneak downstairs and out and go home, beating on the door, hoping my mother wake up because it's late at night to let me in because I don't want to be there. And so seeing all these pictures of black men and how they operated at that time, I'm like, man, God damn. And for a split moment, I start thinking that's normal. That's how shit go. That's how that's how men act. So my mind, I'm thinking the transition is go from go to school. Hopefully you graduate high school, but in the process, sell a little dope. Hopefully you don't get caught. You have some kids. You grow up. Stress gets so bad. You either turn the dope, sell dope or get a real job and do the best you can. It might be some physical shit. You might have to put your hand. Like, I'm thinking that's the normal routine and that's the normal progression shit, right? It took me seeing two other grown men who were the polar opposite of all of that shit to figure out, hey, that ain't how it is. Every summer, my boy Keys and his family would have a big barbecue, like picnic thing at GE Park because his dad worked at GE Park. And I always looked forward to that. And I would always spend the night at my boy Keys' house on July 3rd. Always. Wake up, you know, get ready, go to the park. It really took one year. Me spending the night. Going to the park on the 4th of July. We had a great time as we always did. But really stepping back and just, I've always been an observant person. And observing and seeing and looking and being like, damn. This is how, like, a father, like, behaves. I saw how Mr. Walt, shout out Mr. Walt, my boy Key's father. I really saw how his family loved him and how he loved his family. Taking care of his family. Talking to his family. Mr. Walt was one of the first black men I've ever seen in my life never raise his voice. 
y'all don't know how much that meant because I a, grew up in a house where my mother raised her voice a lot. And I, I get it. She was a single mother, pressure, sick, all that shit. So I get it. Mr. Walt, like I never saw him raise his voice. Even in times where he may have been angry or whatever, I never knew if he was angry or not because he never acted that way. He always treated me like I was one of his when I was around. And I stepped back at that 4th of July picnic and was like, that's it right there. I knew. I knew. I said, that's how a father, husband, man handles himself. And so I think had it not been for that situation, I don't know how my view of things would have been between him and my uncle Paris. My uncle Paris was the same way. He was, he went to church. He had a good job. Um, he loved and took care of me and my brother and all his nieces and nephews like they were his own. And sometimes a person doesn't have to tell you something. You just watch them and you get it. And you like, okay, that's how I move. That's how I move. And so coming up all them years and seeing black men or what I thought was like the way shit go for the like that was normal. I'm so thankful for Mr. Walt, for um, my Uncle Paris, for my older brother who wanted more out of life and would, you know, pattern himself after those men he saw and be like I want more out of life than this shit right here all those traumatic experiences I saw as a kid growing up of how men dealt with women could have fucked me up and it didn't it didn't and I'm so thankful that it didn't fuck me up So when I look at my wife, my children, my life, all of that shit, I'm so thankful, so thankful for Mr. Walt and my Uncle Paris. This week really wasn't no story. This week was just some shit I had to get off my chest. So when I dropped my kids off at school this week and I had those positive thoughts and my kids were in a good mental space and everything was happy and I couldn't wait to get back to see them after school so I can hear about how their day went and the smooth transition to in the house, get something to eat, tell me about that day, sit down for dinner, all of that. That's because people like Mr. Walker. Mr. Walt, you did a damn good job. Damn good job. And I don't even know if you knew that you were affecting me that way or you had that effect on me. But you did. 